That same day, two of them were walking to the village Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were not able to recognize who he was. He asked, What's this you're discussing so intently as you walk along? They just stood there long-faced, like they'd lost their best friend. Then one of them, his name was Cleopas, said, Are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's happened during the last few days? Jesus said, What has happened? They said, The things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, he was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in work and word, blessed by both God and all the people. Then our high priests and leaders betrayed him, got him sentenced to death, and crucified him. And we had our hopes up that he was the one, the one about to deliver Israel. And it is now the third day since it happened. But now some of our women have completely confused us. Early this morning they were at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with the story that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our friends went off to the tomb to check and found it empty, just as the women said, but they didn't see Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, So thick-headed, so slow-hearted, why can't you simply believe all that the prophets said? Don't you see that these things had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? Then he started at the beginning with the books of Moses and went on through all the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they pressed him. Stay and have supper with us. It's nearly evening. The day is done. So he went in with them. And here is what happened. He sat down at the table with them. Taking the bread, he blessed and broke it and gave it to them. At that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him, and then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road? As he opened up the scriptures for us, they didn't waste a minute. They were up and on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, and their friends gathered together, talking away. It's really happened. The master has been raised up. Simon saw him. Then the two went over everything that had happened on the road, and how they recognized Jesus when he broke the bread. Thus ends the reading. What the heck has happened to these two men? Do we know what day it is? So Jesus was crucified on Friday. They're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which is about a seven-mile walk, which in their day would have taken the better part of a day. Now they know that Jesus is not in the tomb, but they're confused, right? They're excited, they're agitated, they're confused. What is so confusing to them in this moment? Their lack of belief. In what? In, in the faith, in the, the, in the faith of the rising of the Lord. Okay, say more. Say more? The promises that were made. You like that. Thank you. <laughs> promises. What's not been fulfilled yet? They know he was Jesus the Nazarene. What are they still confused about? That he hasn't that he didn't rise right, right away. I think that we shouldn't look at this through 21st century glasses. I think that 
one of their problems is that they had no idea that he was going to rise. They had no idea he was going to rise. These two men, I would argue, were still not convinced he was the Messiah. Lack of belief. That's what I said right. in the beginning. You said it. Right? So the road to Emmaus, what we're being told on the third Sunday of Easter is this is a walk that two men took, knowing everything that had happened to Jesus, right? They knew he was Jesus the Nazarene. They knew that he had been named king of the Jews. They knew he was a descendant of Abraham. They knew he was of the house of David. Are you get where I'm going with this? They knew that he was the guy that all the prophets had talked about. But the question still in their minds was what? Hey, can I ask a question? I just want to ask you a question. If they had um, lack of belief, why would they even take that walk with him? That's a great question. Well, they, they didn't it's know not that. if they had lack of belief. You remember what they said after I mean, after he ascended, I mean, he was there, and oh yeah, did you see how great it all was? They weren't recognizing it when it was happened. Right. Well, and they were confused because what was the thing that the Jews of those time, of that time, thought that their Messiah was going to do for them? Miracles. What? Oh, Save them. Save them. Well, how? All bring a war against start, uh, against they, the, uh, Romans. the Romans. But instead, he just died and disappeared. And to, to help you with your question, again, if, if stuff happens in this church, okay, you know who the pastor is, you know that, that Lance is talking today, right? And, and you know about the vicar, so you know the leadership in the church. If something happens to one of the leaders in the church, what's going to happen? Y'all, if you don't have all the information or all the facts, you're going to talk about it. And that's what this... Right. Uh, at the beginning of that story is that these just happen to be two people that the author of, of Luke <laughs> decided to tell a story about. It would be yeah. like if I was going to be an author and I decided to tell your story and your story. Yeah. And here you are, walking to General Spirit Christian Church one Sunday for church. And along that road, all of a sudden, somebody between Clifton and here pops up. And you know, you're coming here for whatever. I mean, a lot of people could have said that when we had Wolf's uh, memorial service. You know, because Wolf was well known in the community. He was now he's died. So that would be the conversation, wouldn't it? Right. That'd be the conversation of, oh my God, this has just happened. Right. So, I I know that we can. To your point, we have a habit in this church of losing people who have a ministry. Yes. And so we have that confusion. We lost Warren, who was. Right. He would preach to us. We lost Charles Harris, who had just agreed to live in our recovery house. Yep. We lost Corey, who was doing our live tithe and had really found a calling from God. And so in each of those instances, there was the initial, what do we do now? Sounds what like does this mean? Me. Say again? Sounds as if y'all are truly pastors. We try. <laughs> we try. I'll shut up now. So. Please don't. Well, because he'll take over and he'll just yes, give the sermon. Yeah. 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 You can we feel that to, coming. We have to yeah. I was getting out of roll, so Why I'll just be quiet. <laughs> oh, okay. So we have these two men. They're walking on a it's a it's a day long walk. They're confused. They are not convinced in their minds that this is the Messiah that their culture has told them is coming, that their prophets, that their Bible, everything they believe says that a Messiah is coming, but they're still holding back and saying, this Jesus, this Nazarene, doesn't feel like he was this Messiah because he didn't come to liberate us from the Romans the way we expected. 
The way we expect it, and this is how Jesus rolls, right? Jesus gives you what you need, but not what you want, because that's how God rolls. But let me ask you this. So why did Jesus feel the need to spend an entire day with these guys, right? Think about all that you could talk about in a seven-mile walk. Jesus has died and has been resurrected, but takes this moment, right, to spend a day with these two people who are adjacent to the disciples. They've seen everything that's going on, gone on. They're related to some of the people who were at Calvary. They know about the rolling back of the stone, and Jesus wasn't there. But what I see in this writing is that Jesus felt that there was something that was undone. So he needed to spend a day and have a whole conversation with these guys and lay out everything all over again. And remember, these are Jews. These are not people who think of themselves as Christians, right? So what is it that he felt he needed to prove to the Jews of that time? Remember what their worldview was. The temple tells you there's 600 and something laws, right? that God needs this, 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 and this for you to come correct. Otherwise, you can't even enter the temple. You're not even a good Jew, right? Not only that, but God is a perfect God. And God demands perfection. And are we perfect? No, we're not. We never are. We never will be. We have no shot at that. Did Jesus understand that? Yes, indeed. Absolutely. But to a Jew of that time, what was the one thing that you could do to wash away those sins that you could never wash away. In the pre-Jesus world of Judaism, what was that? Offer a blood sacrifice. Blood sacrifice, right? So remember, in Egypt, what was the blood that was that was put on the door jam to indicate pass over this house? It was lamb's Lamb. blood. Lamb's blood. blood what did Jesus call himself to his disciples? Lamb. He was the lamb. So what is it that he's trying to persuade these two men to understand during this whole day-long walk? That his blood had to be shed in order for, for the prophecies to be fulfilled. I am the lamb. Yeah, the That's what done. makes me the Messiah, correct? When the sacrifice was made, you don't have to worry anymore. Right. So what is that beautiful gift from God that Jesus made very clear to us that means, yes, we understand that you will never be perfect, but you don't have to be perfect because you will be reconciled to God. There's a word for it. It starts with a G. Grace. It's grace. Right. So now, what did we spend all of Lent talking about? Freedom. Freedom. We've been on a road to freedom. Easter Sunday was Freedom Sunday. It's the third Sunday of Easter. We're now on the road to Emmaus. So what powers the road to freedom? Grace. 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 The thing I will leave you with is... You said, you know, consider that these are the people of 2,000 years ago, and that's why I wanted to walk you through that whole, what, what was that like to take that seven-mile walk, those men in the state of agitation and confusion that they were in, this stranger comes alongside them, walks them through all of the prophecies and everything, the Bible, everything that led up to, yes, I actually am the Messiah, and then he reveals himself, right, just as he breaks the bread, which I love. Right. So here we are, it's Sunday, <coughs> and we preach in church that there's an awful lot of Fridays, but Sunday is coming. Amen. So one of the things I'll leave you with is that, for me, the eye-opener about this passage is that now I see that every single week, between the times that I'm able to come to this table right, and break the bread, see Jesus, and be sent forth to serve, 
is that it's the road to Emmaus every single week, is it not? Is it not the road to Emmaus every single week? We have to remind ourselves that we are worthy, that there is God's grace, that it is not our job to be perfect, and that Jesus did die for our sins so that we can move on from that piece, the old worldview. But what gets in the way? I have a question. Yes, sir. It's on a statement you just made. Jesus died for our sins. Mm-hmm. Really? He was the last blood sacrifice. Okay. So, if I go out and steal a car tomorrow, that's what Jesus died for? Yes. That, okay. Jesus isn't telling you that you should go steal cars. I know. Jesus is saying that God understands that you're imperfect and you're going to make mistakes. Okay. I like that. Mm-hmm. We don't have license to kill. Okay. Uh-huh. We don't. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, before um, Jesus gave his life, right? They used to take animals and crucify animals. Yeah. You had um, to go to the temple and buy a lamb and sacrifice it, right? When I. That's what the people of that time yeah. had to do, was yeah. you had to go, you had to yeah. change your street money into temple money, buy an animal, sacrifice it, and only then, and you were really what, just buying time? Until your next blood sacrifice? That works. So what was your question? Uh, so we know the answer. Would you feel that God made gave his life so we wouldn't crucify animals you know, stop crucifying animals when we have to? You, you might be answering your own question. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, that's a great thought. Yeah. I well, and stop crucifying each other because... I understood the question, but I don't, I, I don't understand the answer. Okay. So, 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 so does someone answer that question for him so that I can, so that I can get an answer? I, I would argue that God has never been a fan of us killing in God's name, yeah. period. Yeah. So I see, I see two things on the cross. One is, Jesus is the Lamb. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. Okay, right? There are people who say Jesus was a perfect human being, right? So you have the example of Jesus as a perfect human being who was then sacrificed. We're imperfect, and a perfect human being laid down his life for his God, Right, so that we would stop killing each other either one to one or in the name of the state because that's how he died, right? He was executed, right? So he that was supposed to be that was supposed to be putting a pin in all the killing for any reason, right? You are finally it's all washed away. Now you're free to love each other, right? Because the kingdom is at hand. Lance is actually onto something really good here because if you connect the dots. What's one of the Ten Commandments? That's right. And when they wanted to kill this woman before the whole crucifixion thing happened, they brought a woman to Jesus that under their law should be stoned. To death. And what was Jesus' response to that? The first man was not killed through the first stone. Okay. So there is a real loud voice that says, Stop killing! It seems to be repeating. 
over and over again. So if 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 you go along the road of what Lance has raised as that this was the the final sacrifice, okay, that that is what um, it, it ties into that whole idea. No, you shouldn't be sacrificing a bunch of animals either. And you know, you go back to uh, uh, the, the Genesis stories if you want. And what what's the line that's given to us as human beings? We have dominion over all the animals. Over all the animals. Now I know there are some people that will read that as, oh, well, we're dominant. We we get to do no dominion meant that we're responsible for correct. It's servant leadership. To care yeah. for them. So. This idea of killing them off to make God happy? I'm sure that didn't make God happy. <laughs> no, it didn't make Jesus happy. So one of the big things that Jesus wanted to release the people of his time from was there was a major institution getting in the way between God and God's people, and what was that? What was, what was the, the progenitor of the 600-plus purity laws, and you've got to sacrifice a lamb, and you've got to buy it with temple money, not your street money? It was the temple, right? So part of the abolishing of the old way was this institution that comes between you and God, that's not good. That's not what this is about. You come to God through me. But now, would you say that 2,000 years later there might be a similar set of institutions that still want to come between you and God? Have we learned a lot in 2,000 years? Confession, you can't, you know. Some have, some have. Okay. I'll take that. We like to think we're one that hasn't, right? But one of the things that Jesus wanted to do away with was all this finger pointing, this institutional finger pointing, right? So the temple had 600 plus laws. We've got things like, you don't look right, you don't make enough money, you don't live in the right neighborhood, you're not the right color, you don't sleep with the right type of people, right? On it, you don't smell right, we don't like the way you look, could you sit in the back, not the front, right? So part of grace and part of the road to freedom is, I am free to be me. Amen. I am free to be me because I have what? Starts with a G? Grace. God's grace. I am on the road to freedom. I am on the road to Emmaus. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you this week.